love and the law of attraction means that no matter what you have or have not done, you are worthy of love. Join Mary Knight in a fun, frank, in-depth exploration of love and the role the law of attraction plays in dating, marriage, and even our sex lives. Get answers to your most difficult questions about men, women, and love. Every show, Mary will share her most effective tools, tips, and tricks for making love and the law of attraction work for you. Here's Mary. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Love and the Law of Attraction. I'm your host, Mary Knight, and this is my second show. So today, we're going to talk about, guess what? Love and the Law of Attraction. But seriously, when I say that, you know, I was thinking about that. Like, what is love and the law of attraction? Like, what does that really mean? Because love is such a subjective term, just like success or what constitutes a miracle. You know, love to me is something very different than, say, love is to my husband. And so that got me thinking. But several years ago, I read this book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. And if you're not familiar, the premise of the book is that there are couples who have, have what they would call a bad relationship. You know, they love each other, but they just don't get along, and they're on the brink of divorce. And once they learn each other's love languages, their relationships are transformed. The different love languages are acts of service, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, and material gifts. I think he calls them something different, but that's how I recall what they are. Now, my love language is physical touch. And so that means that I like to have a man in my life who is affectionate, someone who enjoys having sex, someone who likes to hold hands and kiss and cuddle and put his arm around me. That makes me feel loved. And my husband is a very affectionate man. And I noticed that about him right away. And it made me feel very loved by him. I felt loved. I felt accepted. I felt wanted. Because, ooh, he's touching me. That must mean he likes me. (laughs) And his love language is acts of service. So he loves it when I plan and prepare meals for him. He is so appreciative. He feels relaxed. He's happy. He, and he just beams the most loving glances at me while he's eating. And of course, that makes me want to do it again and again because I feel so fantastic that he feels so fantastic. And then there's other people in my life where I know that they have different love languages, you know, like my, my clients, men and women, talk to me about things that make them feel loved by their partners. You know, and I can remember back when I was dating and back even when I was a, a teenager that I would have relationships where if my partner, my boyfriend, wasn't affectionate with me, that I didn't feel loved. And when I was in my 30s, that created a bit of a problem for me because I have a high sex drive. And so if my partner 
wasn't all over me all the time, I thought that he didn't care about me. Now, I know for some women that that wouldn't be a big deal to them at all. But what would make them feel unloved is if their partner never praised them or told them how pretty they were or how smart they are or how much they appreciate all the things that she does or, or whatever, the words of affirmation. Now, for me, of course I like to be complimented. But if I'm not getting words of affirmation, it really it really doesn't – I'm not going to say it doesn't matter to me, but it's not something – I'll say it this way. It's nice when someone's like, oh, yeah, hey, I, I, I love the way that you do this, and you look so pretty, and I like your shoes. But that – I'm like, oh, isn't that nice? But that doesn't make me feel loved. I just feel appreciated. So it's interesting to me how we have our different love languages. And, you know, and some people could say, oh, well, you know, maybe I didn't have an affectionate childhood. But I did. <laughs> so so maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just wanted a continuation of, of something that I was comfortable with. I don't know. I don't know. But for the purposes of our discussion today, I just wanted to talk about how relative to the law of attraction, relative to source or God, the universe, so many of us feel unloved and unsupported unless we get a certain demonstration from the universe. You know, we may be getting signs as signals and symbols and gifts and all kinds of, of wonderful things in our lives. But if we don't recognize it for what it is, then we go around feeling unappreciated and unloved by the universe. Now, every spiritual teacher that I've ever studied talks about how God is love and the universe is loving. And spiritual teachers talk about how we are all connected. You know, Abraham describes us as extensions of source. Deepak Chopra talks about how we all share a mind. And right now, I'm reading The God Code by Greg Braden, and it's such a good book. Oh, it's really good. And he talks to different spiritual leaders who all describe life as this web and how we are all a part of this amazing, intricate, beautiful web. Now, these very same teachers talk about how we have everything we need inside of us. And when we look for love and truth and beauty and even health outside of us, that that's never where we're going to find it. That is not where it resides. I was listening to um, Louise Hay a few days ago. She's one of my first teachers, and I just love her so much. She was talking about how, of course, you know, with a book, you can heal your life. And if you're not familiar with that, she doesn't use the words law of attraction, but that's exactly what it's about. It's about how we transform our thoughts, our beliefs, and that is how we attain perfect health, great jobs, fabulous relationships. You know, she talks about, and all these other teachers talk about, how we're born with everything that we need already. Like, we're not born needing anything. We're not born needing someone else to show us that we're beautiful or to show us that we are loved. 
all of that is already inside of us. We have access to all of that. But so many of us lead these lives where we're distracted from ourselves. And so we don't recognize it. And in our culture, in the United States, we are taught to constantly look outside of ourselves for everything we need. And that's definitely a, it's a very strong cultural pull that everything we need is outside of us. But we never need to look outside of ourselves. And I'm not saying that you never need to read a book. Okay, well, actually, yes, I am. <laughs> you know, reading books, listening to teachers, listening to me, you know, that's, those are shortcuts. But you have everything inside of you already. And if you can tune out the noise and tune into you, then you can begin to experience you your true self, how it feels to be you. And I'm a meditator. I've been a Vipassana meditator for 10 years and a mindfulness meditator, uh, Shamatha, um, and that is for the past 25 or 30 years. So I've been meditating for a very long time and um, I'm in my early 50s now, so I've been meditating for half of my life. And I know that meditation is what has saved my life through having a serious meditation practice. And I don't meditate for hours a day. I, I have done that, but typically I'm talking about 30 to 45 minutes a day. But I, ha I have friends who meditate for just a few, very few minutes a day, and it has made a huge impact on their lives. So it's not like you have to take on this um, giant, looming meditation practice in order to attain some fantastic results, even just five minutes a day of just tuning into yourself, focusing on your breath, can be very healing and transformative. But because I have spent so much time meditating and getting to know myself, I have very real, very direct experience when I say that we have everything we need inside of us. That our life comes from the inside out, not the other way around. You know, I don't think the way that I do because of my outside circumstances. My outside circumstances are the way they are because of my thoughts. You don't need to have another person in your life to be loved. You don't need to have another human being physically in your life for you to experience true love and devotion and adoration and and fullness and peace and appreciation you have all of those things inside of you already and the idea that you need another person to experience those things is an illusion. And I know that might sound like something kind of, I don't know, counterproductive for a dating and relationship coach to say, but that is the beginning of all of our relationships in our outer world. Because just what I just said, our outer world 
is the way it is because of our inner world. So if you don't have that special someone in your life that you've been longing for, yearning for, then it's because you are not experiencing that for yourself. And this is where people get pissed off at the law of attraction and say, ah, this is a bunch of crap, it doesn't work, is because when they are putting out their desires out into the universe, they're coming from a place of lack, from a place of want, from I want love. And so the universe is like, okay, cool. I will continue to give you experiences where you want love, where you are wanting. Okay, so it's all well and fine for us to to talk about this in terms that for a lot of people listening may sound pretty philosophical and like we're, you know, intellectualizing this. So let's talk about it in, I don't know, I'll say in real world terms. Because there is such a thing as loneliness you know so what I just said was we don't need another person in our life to experience love and if you aren't feeling love for yourself it's because you are feeling some kind of disconnect so I'm gonna go so far to say that loneliness is an illusion because how could you ever be lonely? We're not only an extension of source, we all are extensions of source. So by definition, we're all connected. We're all connected by that beautiful, intricate web. But anyone who has experienced loneliness, like I have, that is a very real feeling. And it does not feel good. It's something that a lot of people avoid because it's so desperately painful. It's been a really long time since I've experienced loneliness. The last time that I felt lonely was, I'm thinking it was like five or six years ago. And I was on a plane on my way to Houston from spending a week working as an escort in Philadelphia. And the excitement about all the money that I had made was gone. And once again, I was alone, which actually I was glad to be alone after a week of of escorting. (laughs) But I was just exhausted. That feeling of exhaustion from the inside out, where like the inside of my head felt tired just all the way to my bones. I just felt just spent. So I was sitting there in my seat, you know, on this long flight. And I thought, okay, you're a meditator. You can't continue to avoid this feeling because this is the way that I felt after every time I came back from a trip of visiting with clients. And I had noticed that while I was, you know, in another city, I'd be there for, you know, several days, not always a week, but I'd be there for several days. And I would never participate in my morning or evening meditation practice. I just couldn't do it. I could not find the stillness inside of me. Most of the time I could journal, you know, I could write about my experiences, but to actually sit 
and just focus on my breath and just really be there with myself was next to impossible. And I knew that it was because if I did that, I would not be able to see any more clients on that trip because if I got really in tune with how I felt about what I was doing, I wouldn't be able to continue doing it because what would happen is I would come home and I would get back. It would take me a couple of days and I would get back into my meditation routine and all the feelings would come up of how, oh boy, you know, I'm ready to move on, but I didn't think I could because financially I wasn't in a position to move on. But as I may have mentioned in my, my last uh, show, it didn't matter how much money I was making. I never felt like I had enough money. So my limiting belief was I have to keep on doing this if I want to continue to enjoy this lifestyle that I have where I have all the money I need to do everything I want to do and I hardly ever have to work. But the way that I made my living was starting to just crush me, just absolutely crush me. And no one was mistreating me. It wasn't like I was having bad experiences. I mean, I was, you know, everything that, that as, as a woman that you might want to experience uh, on, on dates with men, I got to do, you know, the most amazing restaurants in the world. You know, first-class travel all over the place, amazing restaurants, amazing bottles of wine, shopping sprees, you know, all this, of course, material stuff. I got to do some cool adventure trips and hiking and, and all kinds of stuff. So, but, so it's not like I was being mistreated and I was, you know, working in a terrible condition. Um, it was that I knew that it was time for me to move on, and I wasn't allowing myself to be connected enough with myself to make empowering choices. So when I talk about really knowing myself and really listening to that still small voice, I really do know from direct experience that I was creating all of these situations because once I got real with myself, it didn't take very long at all for me to go, okay, I see what's going on here, and able to um, untangle myself from these thoughts and from this life that I was living and move into something where I felt very positive, where I was making a positive impact and it was feeding my heart and soul. So, and then once I got into to thinking in those kinds of ways, then, then experiences came to me that supported me in doing that. So, Back to the loneliness. <laughs> so I'm sitting on this plane and I closed my eyes and I thought, and so I just thought, okay, I'm just going to go inside and I'm going to see what's going on. And I felt so hollow but heavy. You know, and so I just was experiencing all of these feelings in my chest. And I closed my eyes and I had the sensation that inside of my chest was this sticky, just dark, dense goo. And it was kind of moving around a little bit and it was so dark, but yet it was hot. 
and my heart was just hammering in my chest. And this was the sensation that I was naming loneliness. It had nothing to do with all the love that I actually did have in my life in the form of my kids and my friends and my family and everything to do with how I felt inside. And of course I wanted to avoid that feeling at all costs. And so I did that for a long time and I would fill that with seeing more and more clients and then when I wasn't seeing clients I was having unpaid meaningless sexual relationships with men. I would go out drinking with my girlfriends. Um, I would even drink wine at home. And I never, I would always wait to drink wine until after I meditated because I cannot drink and meditate. I don't even know if that's a thing that people do. <laughs> I think it kind of defeats the purpose of getting to know yourself if, you, if you're intoxicated. But yeah, I would wait, you know, and then I would, I would meditate and then I'd go, oh, I'm going to have some wine. And I would sit there and I would put on Law and Order or Sons of Anarchy or some other just ultra-violent, stressful, depressing television show. And I would just traumatize myself instead of feeling lonely. And when I finally had the courage to really go into that feeling and explore it, I discovered that it felt terrible. And I sat there in it. And I just sat in it. It's like, okay, this is what I feel like inside. No wonder my life looks the way that it looks. And so I decided to start writing about it. And so when I really examined and really got into it, I discovered that that feeling was me actually pushing away what I'll call God. You know, I was pushing that away because I wasn't feeling good about the way that I was living my life. And I wasn't ready to change. And I was afraid to feel how I felt. And so instead of accepting where I was and going, okay, you know what, I know that I'm doing the best I can do and still allowing good things to come into my life, I was just pushing away good feelings. You know, and I was just, you know, in this place, you know, inside of me when I would go in there, it felt, as I said, just terrible. And it felt small. You know, like there wasn't room for anything else in there. And it was cramped. And when I let myself feel it at another level, I realized that that feeling inside of me was feeling unsupported. You know, I felt disconnected. I felt separate from everyone around me. And so what better way to live out that separation than by involving myself in, in a career that was secret? You know, being an escort, that's secret, you know, because it, it's against the law. So I was living outside of the law. I was living in secret. Um, many of the clients that I saw never even knew my real name. I didn't know their real names. You know, my friends, my fa some of my friends knew, my closest friends knew, but my family, I mean, they know now, but they didn't know at the time. So I'm living this secret life where I was separate from everybody, where I was disconnected from everybody. And so, of course, 
because I was living this secret life, I was unsupported by my, my family. Because how could they support me if I was so disconnected from them? So I had created this whole life based on these feelings inside of me, of course. And again, once I realized what I was doing, I was able to go, oh, I don't like this. I'm going to change this. So when I realized that, oh, okay, what I'm calling loneliness is really my feeling separate, feeling disconnected from everything, feeling disconnected from myself and from God and from every person on the planet. And I realized that was just complete nonsense because how can you be disconnected from God? How can you be disconnected from source? I mean, source, God, creator is everywhere. And this thing that I was labeling loneliness was, as I mentioned before, it was an illusion because we are all connected. How can we ever be separate? Now that's not to say that you can't be out of alignment because I was not disconnected but I was out of alignment. And that meant that I was not accepting my connection to others. And for you, that might be that you're not allowing yourself to open up to others. You're not accepting that there are good things in your life. You know, when there are good feelings that come up for you, instead of going, oh, wow, I feel good, you start to feel afraid and go, oh, boy, oh, boy, I better watch out because something terrible might happen, so I don't want to get my hopes up. You know, that kind of thing. That's being out of alignment. But once I had that experience and went inside myself, and it didn't happen just, you know, just all at once, it took a few times for me to really get into it, but it pulled it all together for me. And it didn't take long. Once I started to acknowledge, like I said, it didn't take long for me to really change my life. And so that's why I say loneliness is an illusion and that you don't need anyone else in your life to experience love and joy, adoration, devotion. You can have all of those things for yourself. So then let's talk about, okay, well, what about sexual desire? What about desiring a physical connection for someone else? Now that's real, right? We've all experienced that. Now if we have everything inside of us, then what about physically connecting with that other person? You know, how can you make love? How can you have sex? You know, why do we yearn for that? If we have everything we need inside of us, then why is that pull so strong? Now, if you can go into yourself and tap into that sexual urge, that desire, that yearning for someone else, if you explore that like I explored that feeling of loneliness, then you'll see that feeling, that urge, is a desire to create something, to bring something new into the world. And this isn't just talk. These aren't just words. If you explore the feelings in your body, you'll find that they have a message for you. All of them, all the time, no matter what they are. And this particular feeling 
it's so easy to not go into and explore because we've been taught, oh yeah, that's because you want to have sex with somebody. And I'm not saying that that isn't, um, that, well, I'm not saying that you can't satisfy that urge by having sex with someone, but that isn't really what it's about at the spiritual level. It is about bringing forth something new into the world, like art, a book, a new film, a piece of music. That's what that creative urge, that sexual urge is. That, if you really examine it, that's what it is. That's what it feels like. That's what it goes, that's what's going on. And artists of all kinds talk about this. And I'm not saying that sex isn't a beautiful thing and that it's not a necessary part of a healthy life. But I am saying that if we really explore the motives that we have for finding that special someone, if we're looking to fill a void, that's not going to happen. We're still going to feel the same way whether we have a person in our lives or not. Even though temporarily we might feel better, we're still going to feel like us. We can't get away from us. And we shouldn't try to. <laughs> so there was a time after I quit escorting that I decided to be celibate for a while. And it was actually part of this course I was taking on Christ consciousness. It was this online course. It was very cool. It was very, very extensive. And one of the things that I said extensive, not expensive. And one of the things that we did was for a week, for seven days, we were to commit to being celibate. And that meant not only abstaining from physical contact with somebody else in, in a, in a stimu sexually stimulating way, but also no sexual fantasies, no focusing on how we desire somebody else, no watching porn, no masturbation, just abstaining from sensual pleasures, we'll say. And that was a very interesting time for me. So it was, it was seven days, and I ended up doing it for about nine months. And I kept a journal. And I'm going to read a short passage from uh, one of my journal entries to you. A lot of my sexual desire comes from boredom and writer's block. It's creative energy that I'm dispelling. Instead of writing and putting my energy into something that can give me the kind of life I want to have, I'll masturbate or pursue another relationship that I really don't want. At this point in my life, sexual relationships are nothing but a distraction. <laughs> and I have heard other women say that too. They're like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, it's just a distraction. And, you know, for some of us, like people who have a high sex drive, like I always have, for men and women who have that, yeah, it, it definitely can be used as a distraction just like food, alcohol, work, working out, drugs, it, it definitely can be used as a distraction. Even if you're not like a sex addict, you know, just getting into another relationship, you know, being what a serial monogamist, as some people say, like, it's not like they're dating a bunch of people. They're just, they're always just dating someone. When you're using sex as a distraction, all you're doing is you're keeping yourself from yourself. So you're keeping yourself from the very thing that you want the most, which is to connect with yourself. Why would we do that? Like, why would we keep ourselves from ourselves? 
you know and and if if God is love and the universe is loving and love is all you need <laughs> then why is it so hard for so many of us you know why do we feel unloved what is going on in October of this year 2016 I wrote an article for the law of attraction magazine and I entitled it are you confident enough to receive and the premise of my article is that it takes confidence to receive whether it's from a partner or from source and I ask people in reading the article whether they're man whether they're men or women to consider themselves to be the feminine energy and source to be the masculine energy because in every relationship someone's got to be the masculine energy and someone has to be the feminine energy and of course you know as men and women we we have both masculine and feminine energies within us and in each relationship somebody has to be the man and somebody has to be the woman energetically that just just will say that just for simplicity's sake and in the article I talk about how when I started out as a uh, when I started out to become certified as a law of attraction coach and as a life coach I was required to coach people on a variety of different topics not just dating and relationships like I had been and a lot of the people that came to me wanted coaching on financial abundance and that was a lot of fun I really enjoyed doing that and what I discovered was that people who had blocks around money were using the identical language as people who felt blocked around love and sex and it wasn't you know when people were talking to me about their children or about bosses or about their health they used different language it was just when people talked about love sex and money that they used the identical language to uh, describe their limiting beliefs I just thought that was really really fascinating because it, it led me to notice also that when people would describe themselves as lonely or you know because they didn't have a lover or because they did have a lover but they were in a, in a not great relationship or they were upset with their partner they would I noticed that they also didn't feel very confident and didn't feel loved and supported by source and this was true even no matter how much money they had these people also felt like they lacked financial abundance now I described my story earlier about how you know I would was escorting and how the excitement of the money would would wear off to take that even further when I was escorting it didn't matter how much money I made it never felt like enough you know I would have different bank accounts with different um, amounts of money in it and I would look in it and you would think that I would just be thrilled like "Ooh, look at all this money but I wasn't when I looked at the money I felt dread and I felt fear because I thought oh my gosh it, it's just it's just gonna it's just gonna go away it can go away as quickly as it is it got here and it just it terrified me and I never wanted to look in my bank accounts 
even though I had plenty of money and I can do whatever I wanted to do within reason, uh, or I should say pretty much I could do whatever I wanted to do, but it was, it didn't matter. I never felt grateful because I didn't feel grateful inside of me. So it didn't matter what was going on around me. I just felt so yeesh that I just couldn't enjoy even all this financial abundance. And that's what I found with people. They just didn't feel supported by by life, by source, by God, when they didn't have the kind of love in their lives that they wanted, just the same way as people that didn't have financial abundance felt. And so for the purposes of our discussion going, discussion going forward, I'm going to ask you to think of source energy as masculine energy and to think of you as feminine energy, even if whether you're a man or a woman. Think of yourself as, a, as, as the feminine energy in the, uh, the next example that I'm going to give. Because think of yourselves as like you're dating, like you're in a relationship with Source. Like Source is is your love interest, okay? Now, masculine gives and feminine receives, okay? And in a dating situation, a woman in her masculine energy can look like this. She launches into the relationship. You know, she contacts him first. She calls him first. She, and, and that's fine, right? But then once they're in they're on a date, she won't let him pay for things. She won't let him get the door. You know, she's always trying to beat him to the punch. <laughs> she's, she's constantly trying to prove her worth to him by being, showing that she's smarter, funnier, that she's just so capable, that she wants to show him, you know, how good she is in bed how great she is in the kitchen, how good she is at earning the money too. Like she never lets him give. She's the one doing all the giving. And she also is like eager to prove, oh, I'm not one of those high maintenance girls. You can say whatever you want to say around me. You know, you don't have to behave a certain way. You know, you can just do whatever you want, say whatever you want because, you know, I'm not high maintenance. I'm easy. You know, that kind of thing. Now, she doesn't want to state any preferences either because she just doesn't want to be any trouble. Now, when I see a woman like this in my coaching practice, typically what she does is complains that her partner never does anything, <laughs> that he doesn't do anything around the house, that he doesn't compliment her, he doesn't act like he cherishes her, and she just complains because she doesn't have what she wants. She doesn't feel fulfilled. She feels exhausted often. Because what's happened in this relationship with her partner, she has set the tone that she does everything because she handles it well. Yeah, she's fine. She's doing great. She doesn't need my help. She shows me that every dang day. And so her partner and think this this time think of your partner as being source says okay you like proving yourself and running the whole show and you don't need me to do anything for you you know you don't ask for anything okay fine if that's the way you like it i am totally happy to let you continue on this way and i will just give you more and more and more of that and then we wonder why we feel unsupported 
unappreciated, and even insecure. So most of us reach out to source in the form of setting intentions, you know, either verbally or written. And instead of taking on the feminine energy role of just being and receiving and trusting and expecting, we do the mental equivalent of saying, you know, to a, a partner, well, do you like me now? Am I pretty enough? Am I fun enough? Am I good enough in bed? Did I say that just right? Do you like my outfit? Now can I have your love? How about now? You know, and every day I tell sweet souls, you know, that you don't have to prove anything to the opposite sex. You just have to be who you are. Because it's the masculine's role to seduce the feminine. But it's feminine's job to allow herself to be seduced. So, again, continue to think of yourself as the girl in the relationship and source is the boy. It's source's role to seduce you. And it's your job to receive. And seduction can take the, the form of signs and symbols. You know, you can ask for signs and you can see them. You're like, oh, cool. You know, things are coming, coming along. But often, because we're so busy doing that we don't see the signs, we don't see the symbols, we don't allow ourselves to just relax and trust and enjoy. Instead, we have all these thoughts that interject like, okay, did I do that right? Did I say that right? Am I good enough to deserve love from my creator? You know, we do things like, am I meditating long enough? Did I say the right chant? Did I burn the right candle? Am I eating the right way? Am I moving my body in the right way? How about now? What about this? How about this? You know, and we do that constantly. And then we wonder why we, we don't have what we want. And the thing is, you don't have to accept. Okay, if, if we'll think, let me let me let me back up here to say so. So, in the case of like, um, you know, dating a woman coaching client, and I'm talking about, well, you have to op be open to seduction. You have to allow yourself to be seduced, which means you're not sitting at the dinner table with your arms crossed, tapping your foot, waiting for him to sweep you off your feet. It means sitting back, open arms, listening to what the man has to say, observing him, watching his body language, just listening, just being present, not trying to make anything happen, but just allowing it to happen and noticing your body and noticing if you have any, you know, little physical reactions to things that he says or does. Because you don't have to accept everything that comes your way. Just like with the universe, sometimes, you know, you're asking for a job and you'll get you'll get a job offer and you're like, eh, that really wasn't what I wanted. It's close, but not what I want. Well, you don't have to accept that. You don't have to accept everything that comes your way, but you do have to be open and available. You know, and, and I tell men, you know, the same thing goes for men. You only have to be your masculine self. And men are seductive when they are truly present. You know, hearing, seeing, and being. 
you know, when, when you really, as women, when you really feel heard by a man or seen by a man, that makes you feel open towards him. And so when you feel like Source is hearing you and seeing you, you feel more open and receptive. But in order to feel heard and feel seen, you already have to be open to that. In the beginning of the show, when I was talking about the five love languages, I talked about how I would be in a relationship with a man and how if he wasn't as affectionate with me as I wanted him to be, I felt unloved. So when the universe could be giving you signs left and right, but if it isn't the kind of sign that you're expecting... You know, if it isn't what you call love, if it isn't what you call a miracle, if it isn't what you call abundance or health or whatever it is, if it's not what you think of when you think of of those concepts, then you could be getting signs all day long and never even know it. So this is where it's very important to get very clear. Because you're only going to get what you want to the extent that you are clear. And that is, to paraphrase something that one of my personal mentors, uh, Janet Atwood, would say. She's like, you have to be so clear because, yeah, you're going to get all kinds of stuff because the law of attraction is, is constantly in action. It's working all the time. And like I talked about in my last show, you don't have to try with the law of attraction because you're going to attract. And again, you're not going to attract what you want. You're going to get who you are. And I learned that from Wayne Dyer. <laughs> that it's getting clear. So because I knew that how I felt loved was by being touched, having physical touch, having affection, having sex. Because of that, then I knew that when I was writing down my list of what I wanted in a partner, that was number one for me. You know, and then number two, of course, personality and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just, you know, saying for the simplicity's sake, that was number one because I knew that no matter what else was going on, if we didn't have a great sex life, if he outside of the bedroom was not affectionate with me, didn't want to hold my hand, didn't put his arm around me, those kinds of things, if I knew that if he didn't do those things, that no matter what, I was not going to be happy. I was not going to feel loved. And so instead of feeling like, well, you know, really I should be focusing on things like personality, sense of humor. Well, of course, of course, because the, the, the sexual chemistry isn't going to last long enough to sustain a relationship if we aren't, don't, if I don't have those other things. So instead of going, well, yeah, duh, I did write those things down too, because we can never make assumptions with our beliefs with what we want because that this is where we find out all kinds of like little I found out I've had all kinds of weird beliefs once I really got into the law of attraction and really studying manifestation and law of deliberate creation law of allowance law of detachment all these different universal laws putting those into action that's when I learned about what my beliefs 
really were and why I was having issues attracting the right partner into my life. And once I got very clear and then let it go and just assumed that it would happen and assumed that it would happen at the right time for me, then it did. And it happened surprisingly quickly too. (laughs) But it's, so the same thing with the universe. You know, you're getting all these signs and symbols and you're like, well, you know, it's not what I call this, not what I call that. So get specific, get clear, get real. You know, don't be afraid to say, I want a man who has X, Y, and Z qualities. Don't be afraid to say that you want a woman who has whatever these qualities and characteristics are that you want. You have to start somewhere and you have to be clear. And you have to expect and trust that things are going to turn out the way that you want them to. Now, anybody who's done any kind of manifestation work knows that this can require fine-tuning from time to time because sometimes we don't know what we want until we get what we don't want. And that is something that Abraham Hicks describes as being uh, getting clarity through contrast. Now, I wrote a book recently called Tuned In and Turned On, how to go from frustration and boredom to bedroom bliss by using the law of attraction. And what this book is about, it's, it's geared towards women, but men can read this too, but it talks about how you know, something even like our sex lives can be improved by using the laws of attraction, deliberate creation, attachment, I mean, detachment, allowance. And it's all about being specific about what you want to experience in the bedroom. And sometimes, though, if you don't know specifically what you want because you haven't had enough experience, then you, I encourage women and, and, and all of you right now listening to focus then on how do you want to feel Like, how do you want to feel when you're in the bedroom with a man or men? How do you want to feel when you're in the bedroom with a woman? And what happens with a lot of us is that we we work hard, we get our intentions out there, we work on discovering what our limiting beliefs are, and we're just, you know, keep on trucking. We're just going down the path, and we have good things happen, and we feel excited, and things are going great. And then... Something will happen that will just kind of put us off. You know, it feels like we're being punished or like, wait a minute, everything was going great. I thought I was doing this right. How come this happened? And then we create a story about, oh, well, this happened because I'm doing it wrong. I'm a bad person. I'm too fat, I'm too thin, I'm too old, you know, whatever, whatever it is that that our particular little hang-up is. And then we'll blame it all on that, and then it it makes it easy for us to get really off track. So what we're doing when we're doing that is playing victim. So instead of looking at a contrasting situation, something that comes up that we don't like, we can use it to go, oh, okay. Now I have confirmation that, once again, 
I'm very clear. I'm even more clear now that I do not want that again. And I talk to women, and, and in my book, I talk about doing this in the bedroom in particular because a lot of times when something happens in the bedroom that you don't like, it's easy to feel like a victim. And this is for men and women. It's easy to feel victimized or used or degraded. But instead, we can look at it and go, oh, I, I don't like this. I don't want this to happen. And then you can actually know what to say to your partner to instruct them how to do it the way that you want it done. And it's the same thing with the universe. Then you can go back to source and go, okay, cool. I know what I don't want. And so by contrast, I can say what I do want because it would be the opposite of the unwanted thing. Just like a lover in the bedroom, you can never assume that just because you don't like something that they'll be able to pick up on the fact that you don't like that thing and that you don't want that thing. You actually have to show them, either with your words or by your actions, what you want them to do. Because a lot of times we make the mistake of thinking that because we said what we don't want, that we've been clear about what we do want. And this is where a lot of people get confused with the law of attraction and where a lot of women and men also get confused in relationships because they think, well, uh, I was very clear about what I don't want. But that's not the same thing as being clear about what you do want. And I cannot tell you how many times I've been in situations in coaching and also just at a party or at a luncheon and asking people, well, what do you want? Well, what do you want? And I have never met one single person who was able to say, well, I want X, Y, and Z. The first response I get is, um, I don't know, or I'm not sure, or some variation like that. And then people, myself included, wander around wondering, gee, how come nothing seems to go my way? Why don't I get what I want? And so often it's because we don't know what we want. We, we know what we don't want, but we don't know what we want. That's kind of confused me when I said that. <laughs> so one way to get clear about what we want is if you already are very clear about what you don't want, then write that down. Write that down. Write, I don't want to struggle. I don't want to be broke. Write down what are the opposites of those things. I want to be financially free. Or I am financially free. Let's not do want because we talked about that earlier. If we say we want, the universe is going to create situations so that we can continue to want because that's what we said that we wanted. So I have a few minutes left of the program. Thanks for hanging in here with me. I know this is a lot of information, but I want to wrap up what I talked about. Our outer world is a reflection of our inner world. We have everything that we need inside of us. We can experience love, adoration, devotion without ever having another person in our lives. Our love 
and beauty and truth and vibrant health all come from within. And all of those things in our lives are reflections of our beliefs. And when we are ready to create, we have to be very clear about what it is that we want because we will get what we want only to the extent that we are very clear about it. And the good news is we can have what we want. I'm a perfect example of that. You know, having my past as being a professional criminal, being a sex worker, at 49 years old I met a man and now at 51 I'm happily married, you know, and I have this amazing career as a coach, as a best-selling author. That was a dream for me. And I made it come true by clarity and persistence and expectation and allowance and trust. Now, the book I mentioned on here that I wrote is Tuned In and Turned On. You can find a copy of that on my website. I'm selling it for $2.99 right now. My website is Mary, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry my, uh, my website is lovemagnetcoaching.com and my email address is mary at lovemagnetcoaching.com. Both of those things are on the Law of Attraction Radio show page if you um, can't jot that down right now. But yeah, check out my book. Thank you for checking out my show. I'm the first and third Thursdays of every month. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Mary will be back next week with another great show that will guide you into love. For more information on coaching with Mary at lovemagnetcoaching.com.